Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis of Post Media. And on the line today, also of Post Media, our national hockey writer, Michael Trakos, a veteran of the show, a good friend, and uh, a reliable guest, I'll say. What's going on, Mike? (laughs) <laughs> not much. Well, a lot's going on, I guess. Uh, not much with me, but uh, yeah, we're we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, almost uh, down to uh, uh, the final four uh, of the playoffs. So it's been a surprising run. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, when I look at just the landscape uh, as to what teams are out there and uh, who might be the favorites now for the cup, uh, to think if we could see a Nashville-Pittsburgh final, uh, I don't know if anyone really picked that scenario. I would like that scenario, um, but in general, this part of the the year has been a little nutty because you have the the playoffs, which has had its insane moments. Uh, I.e., uh, <laughs> the uh, the Oilers giving up a huge lead with three minutes left in the third and losing that game, and then coming out and winning. Uh, I believe it was seven one the next game. Like just weird things are happening, um, and then you have the World Championships, and for once, there's upsets. I feel like I never see upsets. I I don't I don't. Well, I don't follow that tournament super closely because the playoffs are always going on. But, you know, France winning over Finland, Germany over the USA. I realize these aren't uh, the full rosters for those teams, but those are huge upsets. And then you have stuff like the Sabres having to fill their GM role and their coaching role and a couple other teams trying to fill spots. Uh, There's a lot going on and uh, it's hard to focus on a couple things, but we're going to keep it to three things. And we're going to talk about the Conn Smythe race. Uh, obviously, it's early to talk about that, but it's never too early. And then we'll we'll talk about the Predators because at this point in time, uh, Monday night, they're actually the only team that's moved on. Pittsburgh and Washington are playing as we speak, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, so off the top, uh, Consmite Trophy, what what face comes comes to mind right away when you're thinking of this guy has a chance? Well, this is an always difficult decision before the finals been uh, completed because typically we call it the playoff MVP. Uh, but let's be real. Um, it's really the guy that shows up in the actual uh, final series of the playoffs. Like, uh, I don't remember anyone uh, tearing it up for three rounds, disappearing in the final and winning the consummate. So it, it is a bit premature. That being said, there's a lot of names that jump out. And I'm sure you've got the same ones, but I'm just going to go kind of around the horn here. Uh, Dry Settle in Edmonton. Uh, he's been a beast 
uh, especially with all the attention that Connor McDavid's been receiving from the opposition. Uh, a guy like Leon Draisaitl has been taking advantage of maybe seeing uh, lesser defensive units and really been uh, the catalyst for the Oilers. Uh, on the other end of that series, Ryan Getzlaff, really for the last two months, he's been just fantastic. I was looking at his stats today, and in his last 28 games, so we're going to March, April, and what we've begun here in May. The guy's got 42 points, John. 42 wow. points in 28 games. That's crazy. And guys in Deathlap, only 15 goals in the regular season. He's already got eight in the playoffs. So uh, here's a guy that really is showing up when it matters the most. And I'm, I'm going to say one more name up there, and I'll let you kind of fill in the blanks for the other guys. But if Ottawa gets past the New York Rangers, I don't know how Eric Carlson's not at the top of everyone's list in terms of consummate. Like, another beauty pass there on the game-winning goal. Or, yeah, I think it was the game-winner. or It was maybe the, uh, the tying goal, sorry, um, that forced overtime. Yeah, but, the tying goal. Um, yeah. yeah, he's been just everywhere. Like, you, you watch that game and you can't take your eyes off of what Carlson's doing. So, um, he's another guy that I think um, – really is really kind of rehabilitated his image. And that sounds funny because we're talking about a two-time Norris Trophy winner, but um, he's actually taken it to another level and um, just love watching him play. So I'll let you fill in the blanks. I gave you three good names. Who do you add on your end? Yeah, I'll I'll just add a couple comments on there with, with Dreisaitl. The thing with him is that I think everyone knows that he's capable be, of being the number two guy in Edmonton. And I'm, ta- I'm not even necessarily talking about it at center, just their number two offensive weapon. And, you know, you see sparks of it here and there. And I remember watching him at the World Cup way back in September, and he looked phenomenal for Team Europe. And you go, this guy, you know, he's playing against the best in the world right now, and he's not only fitting in, he's he's one of the best players on the ice. So I was looking forward to seeing him play all season. There were ups and downs, but overall, a pretty good season for Dreisaitl. And, and in this playoffs, he's kind of taken off and, and blossomed, I guess you could say, on the on the national stage. So I'm definitely I'm keeping an eye on him. Like, it, it's it's that series is obviously up in the air. Um, so we'll see it happen. What happens, and then you know the the flip side of that is Ryan Getzlaff. The guy's going in. He's gone into beast mode at this point. Uh, you alluded to all the points over the last 28 games. You know that goes back uh, to the to the end of the season there, and then right in the playoffs, it's been very consistent. He's really he's taken certain games um, under his wing or, or or his team under his wing and just willed willed them to victory. And it sounds so like kind of cliche and lame, but he's just he's figured out a way to just elevate his game. And it's funny, right? You see this happen fairly often where a playmaker out of nowhere in the playoffs scores a a bunch of goals and he has eight goals already in this playoffs and he's only played 10 games. And then the regular season, 15 goals in 70 something games. So that doesn't make sense. But you, when you actually look at it historically, it seems to happen. Guys just, they take, they take the puck and they shoot it and they stop deferring and and it ends up working out well. Um, Carlson, I think you said enough about him and, and I mean, everyone's been saying, um, uh, as much as they can about the guy because he's been that good with a broken foot. Uh, it's a small minor detail that, uh, we can never forget. And then, uh, to round it out, uh, with my contributions, I'd say, uh, Pekka Rene, we can't, we can't ignore it. I mean, we're going to talk about the predators in a bit, but like, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to have a 951 save percentage by the time the Predators are out, whether that's winning the Cup or losing in the final or losing in uh, the conference final or, or whatever happens to them. I just don't think that's going to happen because that's a ridiculous save percentage. But he's done it through two rounds. I thought he was going to fall off this round because he was so dominant in the first round. 
Um, so props to him that he's been able to do that because he's uh, just a cut above the rest right now. And then uh, my last one is Malkin. Uh, he leads the, leads the playoffs in scoring. And what more can you ask from a guy, especially when uh, Crosby was out for a game or two there. And, and I remember when he was out, I saw some crazy stat where in games that Crosby's been out, Malkin has over a point per game. It was off the top of my head. It was like 128 points in 104 games, like something insane like that. So this isn't exactly surprising. Malkin's a big game guy, but um, you got to give props to the guy who's uh, leading the league in scoring. And then we don't even mention Kate Gunsel, who, again, tied, for Ryan Getz, tied with Ryan Getzlaff in goals and has been that, uh, well, the flavor of the month, maybe is a way of phrasing it, uh, on Sidney Crosby's wing there, almost what Kanishiri uh, did last year, except a little better. And uh, Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, uh, they've got to get in the mix for Nashville when you look at how many goals the Preds defensive uh, chipped in this playoffs. Uh, I think combined they have something like nine goals and um, almost like, I think, close to 25 points uh, combined. And Connor McDavid, uh, I think, uh, if Edmonton does get past this uh, um, Anaheim team, we're going to hear a lot more about McDavid. And um, right now he's already kind of situated himself uh, pretty strong there in that race. Yeah, how have you felt uh, McDavid's played this playoffs? Because you can tell he's not 100%, and uh, that's from going back to the first-round series for Edmonton uh, there, there's something that happened against the Sharks where you can just tell he's he's not you know able to give it uh, ten out of ten every single shift. There, there's something going on there, um, but you know he's been minimized uh, in terms of Connor McDavid, like you know not hitting his normal standards. But you know they're only one breakout game away from you know McDavid just you know coming right back into the Consmite Trophy race. He's just he's that good. You know he might put up a, a five point game uh down the road here and and all of a sudden uh he's right there up with with the other guys in terms of mvp it's funny like they score seven goals against anaheim in game uh six and get one point like how does that ever happen but yeah you're right um something's up there uh, at the same time uh we can't really be faulting them too much the guy's got nine points uh five goals in 12 games so he's doing something right and you know what? Uh, I just think this is indicative of the playoffs. Where um, even last year's playoffs, he, you watch the games and you're going, "Oh, geez, Crosby is a beast." And then um, a guy like Kessel has more points than him, and guys like uh, Haglin are scoring. And um, but you just forget that like these guys are getting number one defense pairs. Uh, they're getting shut down centers, and basically they're getting the team that's game planning for you all night. So. Um, yeah, the fact that I think he's opening up a lot of space for that second line with Dry Fettel, um, that kind of speaks volumes even more so than the points. Now let's talk about the Nashville Predators. So they're the only team that's actually moved on to the conference final. So we're it's very safe to talk about them right now. And uh, we have some breathing room here in terms of them being off and just watching the other teams beat each other up. Uh, have you been surprised by their success in the playoffs? Well, I'm not surprised when they just rolled over Chicago. Um, after that, though, um, going into the St. Louis series, um, I, I thought really they had faced their toughest test, and it was almost kind of like smooth sailing after that. So um, you look at their team, and it starts with Rene back there. Um, he's always been a horse for them, but unlike previous years, they actually have some really good scorers, like really good game breakers. And it begins with maybe Philip Forsberg up front, but then that defense. Um, Pika Subban is added another dimension. Ryan Ellis is playing 
basically like circa World Juniors Ryan Ellis, where he's just got a bomb at the point. And uh, Roman Yossi, again, like another guy, like when you've got those three weapons on defense that can really open it up, I think it gives your uh, gives the other team kind of fits all night. You don't know how to cover them. Basically, you've got a fourth and a fifth forward out there on the ice all the time. So uh, I really like how Nashville's playing. Uh, I think um, this rest is going to benefit them. It looks like Edmonton and Anaheim, whoever advances out of that, is really going to be beat up just by all the overtime games and just kind of how it's been really kind of a wacky series where John Gibson hasn't looked good in some instances and uh, Edmonton's kind of looked their age and sometimes, whereas Nashville... Um, if there's a more, if there's a team with more confidence, I don't know, maybe it's Pittsburgh, I guess, but um, this is a team that's just firing on all cylinders. Yeah, you hit on a point that I wanted to bring up is that, well, you sort of hit on it like a, in a roundabout way. Like they, they just haven't really faced adversity. I'm not saying that's that's a knock on them, but that's just something that that I didn't expect. I expected them to do well in the playoffs. I I picked Chicago over them in seven, so I mean it's that's more or less a coin a coin flip. Um, so I'm not too surprised that they got a second round. And then I, I was never high in the Blues going in the playoffs, so I'm not surprised by that. But the fact that they've beaten both of those teams uh, in 10 games and really looked in control, more or less, uh, all, through all 10 games. I mean, there wasn't, there weren't any, uh, you know, streaks here where we thought, oh, this is this is this is the Predators kind of falling apart. It's been consistent, and obviously we've talked about Rene. He's done his job uh, and more. Uh, that back end is. Really, you could you could make a strong argument that they have the t- best top four in the league, and that it's finally coming together in terms of results at the right time. I mean, Ryan Ellis has been kind of uh, waiting to break out. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but you know, he's always been a, a top prospect or a good pro in the AHL, and he's played in the, the NHL for a couple seasons now. But he's never really had that that breakout offensively because that's what he's that's what he's there for. He's there to to score or get assists, move the puck up. He's not necessarily a shutdown guy by any means. And then, like you said, you throw in Subban and the playoff he's having. Uh, they've they've looked pretty unstoppable. And um, I saw one stat out there. I was reading a couple stories. And they, they kept uh, Tarasenko to only two goals in that series. And it was Subban and Ekholm going up against him. So that that's that's pretty remarkable. Uh, Tarasenko is one of the best snipers in the league. You could say top five. And... And to limit him, uh, that that's a huge part of, of your success if you're going to beat the Blues. Yeah, and when they limited Patrick Kane, Jonathan Fays, or Tammy Panarin, like in the first round, um, it's not like they've they've had easy opponents. And uh, yeah, it's just yeah, you mentioned the adversity. Like only one overtime, uh, they blew a lead uh, in the one loss against St. Louis. Right. Uh, granted, it was a one goal lead, but uh, yeah, maybe that's the one thing that uh, like you wonder: are they battle tested? Regard and sometimes that's a bit overrated. Anyway, like uh, I think if we're going to ask the players on the Preds, I don't think they would have mind to have a have kind of skirted through to the the third round here. Um, they're probably the healthiest team uh, out of anyone. Um, they, they're getting the rest. Uh, you hope that it doesn't turn into rust uh, with too much of this, but um, I just think when you've got Rainey back there, it, it really is kind of difference maker. Like. All the other goaltending performances we've seen, um, Anaheim has been good and bad. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist has looked like his old form some nights. Uh, other nights, he's looked like he just can't even stop the puck. So everyone's kind of going through it. Even Craig Anderson in Ottawa had his kind of stinker nights as well. Um, so to have a goaltender that 
um, has just been playing this well um, every single game. I think that can be a difference maker in the playoffs. Yeah, and they haven't been allowing many shots, so obviously that's a huge uh, contributor. And, you know, I was thinking about it today. I'm like, you know, everyone always talks about the Subban Weber trade. Um, you know, there's. there's... Oh, they got traded for each other? <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. It is breaking news. Um, that's always brought up. But how about Ryan Johansson for uh, for Seth Jones? I mean, like, if they had, if Nashville Predators had Seth Jones, I don't think they would be a worse team right now. But would they have the offensive firepower? Would they have a number one center? I don't think so. And, like, that trade at the time, I go, this could work out win win for both teams. This could be, you know, a huge win for one team because you didn't know at that point. Like, they're still so young that it's like, okay, this could easily, you know, blow up in one of these teams' faces. I think it's gone well for both teams, but you're really seeing it kind of come to fruition for Nashville in these playoffs where Ryan Johansson is is a legitimate number one and he's 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 really the anchor of their offense their offense. You know, you have Philippe Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson. Without that top line, I don't know how many goals they would score in this play, in these playoffs, to be honest with you. Um, they have the defense that just move the puck up and make it very easy on their forwards in a sense, you know, getting into the zone, zone entries and whatnot. But that trade, in hindsight, is like, okay, well done. Yeah, if they, make, if they don't make that trade, obviously, you probably, if you are trading Weber, um, you're not trading him for Subban. You're probably trying to get a center that way. So That's true. Yeah, I guess a revisionist history, like uh, a whole lot of things might have been different. But yeah, you're right. You need that big strong center down the middle especially in the west um it's probably even more important but yeah it's funny how things just kind of worked out and i don't think columbus is uh, upset about that trade at all because seth jones has been a really good defender there as well um and they've got three good defensemen in rorensky jones and ryan murray as well so um yeah it could be one of those ones where each each team got a piece that they like maybe similar to uh jersey in Edmonton, where uh, I think the Devils are probably happy that they got Taylor Hall going forward, especially now that they got the number one pick. Um, and Edmonton obviously is, uh, could be happier with how Adam Larson's playing. So I like those kind of deals. I don't know about you, but I, I like I like the ones that work out for both teams equally, rather than the one-sided deals. Maybe like like the Luke Shen, James Van Riemsdyk trade obviously didn't work out as well for Philadelphia as it did for Toronto. But I prefer the ones that each team is going, you know what, uh, I had a need, I filled the need, I gave up a good player, but I got one in return, and um, both teams are happy. How's this for a win-win? Uh, Martin Erod and Philippe Forsberg, that trade. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that trade again. I mean, we're yeah, talking about the Predators. Sure. <laughs> you can't, like, you can't not bring up that, I like, I feel like, it was just a so week. They, it was Washington just a week moment Philip in that Forsberg history. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Washington, if Washington has Philip Forsberg right now, that, that's a sweep against the Penguins, right? Yeah. Well, like, what is he? Is he slot in as your what number two or number three center, or is he just is he a winger on one of those lines? Like, it's just it, it's a ridiculous uh, thing to even consider. Like, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Some teams they, they can never get over those bad trades. I guess. Okay, um, so with the Predators, they've moved on. They've looked really good. Um, we've got we've got Edmonton and Anaheim duking it out. Like, okay, let's say they face Edmonton. Uh, do you think Nashville has a chance to win? If they face Anaheim, they have a good chance to win. Which team would they match up better with? I think Nashville. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna say right now, I think Nashville is going to the Cup final. Regardless okay. if it's Edmonton or Anaheim, I just for all the reasons we're talking about here, like you've got a solid defense, you've got the best goalie in the playoffs right now. 
Um, and it's not a fluke either. Like, um, Renee is basically either a Vezina finalist or, or like just outside of that, uh, that grouping every single year. So he's been just money. Um, and you've got like with the game breakers, like we mentioned, Arvidsson, uh, Forsberg, uh, James Neal, once he gets going and Mike Fisher, if they can ever get going, um, you've got even more offensive weapons. I don't see many holes with Nashville and I like, how they've been playing this whole playoff. So um, regardless if it's Edmonton or if it's Anaheim, um, I'm I'm saying they go to the final. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat uh, what's coming out of the East there because really we're talking about four different options and um, each one has their pluses and minuses in my opinion. I would love a, a Penguins-Nashville final just based on the skating and the skill and Marc-Andre Fleury's playing really well right now let's see if he keeps it up but and let's see if they even make it there but imagine that like Rene and Fleury two two goalies that haven't really done that well in the playoffs in terms of you know going all the way and being the guy uh if they continue to be the guy for their team and make it to the final I think that alone is a is a pretty good storyline yeah it's it's tough like uh, if I'm the NHL you obviously want New York in there and yet um I, I think Nashville would just have its way with New York um <laughs> Yeah, I can't really argue. Like, obviously, if, if Washington were able to, to uh, upset the Penguins, and by the time this um, people hear this, uh, we could have the series already ended by then, or we could be heading to a Game Seven. So it's kind of difficult to talk about that. But um, maybe Ottawa, Nashville uh, would be an interesting matchup. Uh, I know Canadian fans would love it. Um, I don't know if Ottawa's necessarily. You know what? The way Ottawa's been playing, like if Craig Anderson can put it together and. Just the way that Carlson's been playing, that, that could be a really good and interesting series as well. I don't know if Gary Batman wants Ottawa there, though, but <laughs> <laughs> I think all of Canada might mind, might like it. The, if you think about it, though, I mean, the teams that are going to make the Final Four, like, like, okay, let's just focus on Nashville. Like, that's a huge accomplishment for a franchise. Um, four out of 30 teams, and usually, you know, those spots are occupied by the Chicago's of the world or the LA Kings. Like, this is kind of a, uh, a new era, if you will, if if Nashville can get there and at the very least put up a fight in the fi- in the Western Conference final, like that's a huge win for them. All of a sudden, uh, their franchise is looked at much differently. So um, I'm I'm like you know I'm I'm once I'm cheering I'm cheering for them. That's the wrong word, but I, I like their story because it's it's fresh, it's new, it's a team that hasn't gone far in the playoffs. Yeah, you know what? And sometimes that's all you need. Like you look at uh, Anaheim, and they have a pretty solid fan base, and a lot of that is based on the fact that they were a good team for a number of years, and yeah. uh, went to the final with Mike Babcock, and then won the final with Randy Carlisle as a head coach. And uh, I've always been in around it, and same thing with San Jose. Despite their playoff uh, record, they've always been a team that's uh, been strong in the regular season, and because of that, they've had a strong fan base. Well, maybe this is what Nashville needs to kind of. Um, just continually having uh, good crowds. And you look at the crowds in the, the Predator games, and it's actually, it is pretty good. So it, it gives you a lot of hope, especially with the NHL um, expanding to Las Vegas. Um, this is why you need a good on-ice product, and um, this is how you kind of generate uh, good hockey. Uh, you look at Phoenix and Arizona there, um, the reason why the Coyotes, um, haven't been able to maybe attract the fans aside from their stadium issues or arena issues is the fact that this is, hasn't been a team that's had a lot of playoff success or regular season success or sustained success in that regard. So, yeah, I think a lot of us are kind of pulling for Nashville because 
we know it can be a good market. Uh, it's a real fun city as well. So um, it's kind of nice to see. And then, you know what? They're playing fun hockey. Like I love yeah. P.K. Subban. I love watching him. Um, uh, Roman Yossi. Uh, sorry, um, Roman Yossi is an, uh, an interesting player, too. He's almost like an Eric Carlson light. Um, Philip Forsberg has got a ton of skill. So they, they do have uh, some players there that are, are exciting. They're maybe not quite the jump out of your seat type guys like a Patrick Kane or a Mitch Marner or Johnny Gaudreau, but they, they do have talent, and uh, it is fun to watch them play. So from the Predators and a, a franchise on the up-and-up, let's uh, shift our focus to the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> a, a <laughs> oh, franchise God. that's that's sort of at the other end of the spectrum in terms of uh, the state, at least at this moment in time. I mean, they have some great pieces. Things should be working out there, um, but right now they're filling their GM and coaching role, it looks like Jason Botterill, uh, associate GM for the Penguins, is going to slide into the GM role. That's the report from Sportsnet over the weekend. We're going to assume that's that's probably true. Um, so I guess I guess off the top, uh, what are your thoughts on Botterill probably getting that job? Yeah, well, longtime assistant GM uh, of the Penguins. Uh, he, he's been tabbed as the next guy uh, for a number of years, so no surprise. I actually talked with Jack Eichel's agent uh, last week, and um, he was telling me that it looked like Botterill's got the inside track, and I think that's what everyone else was kind of reporting at the time anyway. So um, he seemed happy about it as well. I think the big thing is making sure that he stays longer than a year or two and um, if he can actually build this thing into a, a legit winger and, or sorry, winner. And you've got the pieces in place there. You've got Jack Eichel. You're going to have a, a decent pick. You've got Alex Nylander. You've got Sam Reinhardt. Um, you got Rasmus with the line in. So it's not like you're going there and the cupboard's completely empty. It's just a matter of can they uh, take those prospects and unlike what Colorado uh, has done or unlike what Edmonton did for so many years and spinning its wheels, uh, can they su- surround those guys and actually get the pieces that fit together? And can they find a head coach uh, that Jack Eichel likes and that can develop these guys? And I don't know what you're hearing out there. I guess one of the names that's been floated is the Rick Tockett, who wouldn't make total sense because it's Jason Botterill as the assistant GM, and Tockett is uh, one of the coaches down there in Pittsburgh and really gets a lot of credit for how he's worked with Sidney Crosby. And saw it firsthand during last year's playoffs where it was Tockett and Crosby literally working one-on-one uh, pre-practice and after practice just on uh, a lot of skill kind of drills and um, using his body to his advantage. So, um, obviously, if you can work with Sydney and uh, bring the best out of him, uh, I think Jack Eichel would definitely benefit from a coach like that. Yeah, I guess it, there is a strong possibility that Buffalo might be Pittsburgh light, you know, Pittsburgh Junior, the where the graduates go, so to speak. And th- that'd be interesting. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by that possibility where this winning organization over the last 10 years is kind of infiltrating the Sabres that have not had good success over the last, uh, we could say about 10 years as well. And they have this kid, Jack Eichel, who I think is the key to this whole situation in terms of like, I saw, I'm assuming you saw his, his end of season press conference. It was like one of the worst displays of body language I've ever seen. And I don't, I'm not saying that to chirp him. I'm not saying that to, to get on him. It's, it's just, he was obviously super frustrated, maybe could have handled it better, but you, when you're star player, and I'm talking like possible top ten player in the entire league in the next couple of years, is is upset, and is is clearly you know through you know nonverbal actions saying 
figure this out, management, figure this out, you know, ownership. You you do that, and I wouldn't say you consult with him, but you you make sure through his agent or through some people that might know him, like that everything's okay when when you hire the new guys because you know you don't you don't win with with great GMs or great coaches necessarily. Like it, it comes down to the players on the ice, and Eichel is their cornerstone player, and you make him happy. That that would be my number one priority. Obviously, you don't want to you know. Uh, you know, spoil the guy or make it seem like this is all his decision and then all of a sudden becomes, you know, Eichel pulling the strings there or anything like that. That would be a little ridiculous. But um, some form of, of, of pleasing Eichel or making sure that this coach, this GM come in and it's fresh slate and Eichel can go, these are my concerns. And then they, they start working at it and the team starts turning things around. Because the last thing you want is for you know you look at John Tavares in in New York Islanders like they've treated him well he seems to be happy with the people there but nothing's really happened like they need to start moving on the the progress of the rebuild and make sure that uh, they don't waste a, a talent like Jack Eichel no and you make a really good point there John Tavares and I think Eichel is aware um, that it takes more than just the number one pick like you look at Taylor Hall and how many years has he gone now without being in the playoffs and um, it's easy to look uh, at Colorado and seeing uh, what's gone wrong in Florida with uh, all the talent they have and Aaron Ekblad and uh, Jonathan Huberto and Alexander Barkov, and yet things uh, have been kind of up and down, more down than up. So uh, I don't fault Jack Eichel for wearing his emotions on his sleeve or for demanding a winner um, and, and really telling the favors. Like, listen, you've got... And I don't think he's afraid to say that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he said, listen, you've got one of the best players in the league. If not, you know, he probably believes he's the best player in the league. Um, why are we losing here? Um, what's the excuse? He's doing his job. When you look at his numbers, guy missed, what, first month and a half uh, yeah. of the season with that high ankle sprain. Still finished with 57 points in 61 games, John. <laughs> that's, that's almost Connor McDavid-like uh, numbers. Uh, so... This guy, along with Austin Matthews and McDavid, um, and maybe that's the only, maybe that list ends right there. Like these guys are going to be the faces of the league once Crosby's out and as Alex Ovechkin kind of tapers off. So um, it, it would be a total waste by Buffalo to not surround him with A plus talent and get a coach in there that actually knows what he's doing and make sure Buffalo's a winner because you don't want to waste this window. Like, Jack Eichel, I know a lot of people kind of scoff at him, but he's he's almost as good as Connor McDavid, and in his mind, he wants to be as good as him, and he probably already thinks he's as good as him. So um, if, if that's the guy you've got running the show, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and they have Ristolainen. They have a couple of actual very, very solid pieces. Ryan O'Reilly is a really good hockey player. He's, you yeah. know, if, if, it's, if it's Jack Eichel and Ryan O'Reilly as your one-two, like, uh, he's you know, a like, player too. Like he's a guy that obviously wants to win. He's not gonna like dog it on a shift or anything. Like he's a guy that players can totally follow. Yeah, I, like, ju- I mean, like they, he didn't have a great season. I think he'd probably be the first one to say that. Um, I'm talking about Ryan O'Reilly, and but that's that wasn't him. You know what I mean? Like he's he's had enough uh, success in the NHL that that one-two punch is right up there with with some of the best in the league. So. Um, I think it just comes down to I'm glad the Pagulas are taking their time with this. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that, um, you know, they have a, the Bills search also going on. They need a GM on their NFL team, too. I'm sure that's factoring into the delay, but I'm glad they're, they didn't just go to the first guy on speed dial. 
No, it's true. And like, where's Buffalo drafting this year? I, I know it's not a strong draft, but uh, are they are they top ten or are they just outside it? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I think they're they're around number ten, like ten, nine, eleven, something like that. Yeah, so so they're gonna get they gotta make sure they hit on that pick as well. Um, and you know what? Like a guy like Alex Nylander, they really have to make sure he develops. Like they can't waste him. Uh, I've seen him at the World Juniors uh, two years now, and, and he's every bit as good as William is. Um, but he's got the same issues as William, where um, you could see it early in the year. There were some defensive lapses. There were some consistency issues, and you had a coach in Mike Babcock that was willing to work with him and really bring out the best in him. And granted, it helps playing with Austin Matthews, but there were some times near the end of the season where it was Nylander, not Matthews, driving that line. So really the next Buffalo coach, whether it's Tuckett or anyone else, has to make sure that you got Alex Nylander, uh, you have a talent there, let's bring out the best of him. Because um, the, like you mentioned, they got Rick Line and they got Sam Reinhardt. They have pieces there that are interesting. It's just a matter of, can they get everyone to maximize their potential uh, like Toronto has with this young core? And there really shouldn't be an excuse that they can. Yeah, it's got to be a little uh, salt in the wounds to see Toronto just go in the complete opposite direction um, this past season. Like, honestly, yeah. like I, I almost, it's almost too... Maybe it's a good thing, though. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. it can be done, right? And maybe that's the, that's the thing. Like, it's your big brother kind of pushing you, so to speak, right? Like, they raised the bar and I think that's that's probably part of why Jack Eichel is so frustrated. Is like you don't have to look far to see like a young team um, that drafted at the top um, quickly turning it around, and you're looking around going, okay, why can't that be us? And there, there really isn't any reason why it can't. So um, at least there's no excuse there, is what I'm saying. For sure. All right, uh, Mike, we'll uh, we'll let you go here, but not without uh, you first dropping your Twitter handle and telling everyone where to they can read your good stuff. All right, so it's uh, Michael underscore Trikos, um, and you can read me in any post me- post-media news publication. So Toronto Sun, National Post, uh, if you're out uh, west, Vancouver Province, Vancouver Sun, and everything in between. Awesome. Thanks again, Mike. All right, thanks, John.